0: This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at JennasChallenge.com. That's JennasChallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 178. (sighs) You guys, this guest and her mission are going to leave you just feeling floored and inspired. Today's guest is Britt Barron, and she is the co-founder of Other Dreamers Culture Consultants. And she's a speaker, a writer, and a diversity and inclusion trainer. Now, Britt spends a lot of time thinking about and talking about how race and gender and sexuality and spirituality all interact with our everyday lives and with our work. Britt is obsessed with finding new ways to connect people and things that have been told that they should not go together. She has a bachelor's and a master's degree in psychology and is probably already analyzing me as I read this script. Britt has spoken all over the country. She has a TED Talk about Beyonce and race in America, and she is ready to share her expertise with you. She's a true expert. Now, in this episode, you're going to learn how to easily cultivate a network of connection and support. How to pioneer change and inclusion in your workplace and in your life and how to find genuine community. She talks a lot about pulling up chairs, bringing them to the table and what that can really look like for us and One of the things that I just love about this conversation that we're about to have is that Brit does not shy away. There have been so many times in her life where she has felt like she doesn't fit into a box doesn't fit into a category. And she is an expert at this stuff that I want to help share with the world. And so I'm just so honored that she is on the show and just opening up and we talk about a lot of interesting things. Uh, Before we dive on in, because I know you're excited, I want to read to you the review of the week. And this is from Halo Fair. And it says, right place, right time. I am so happy I found the Gold Digger podcast. Branching out in a new side hustle, I felt very alone without a support system. Your podcast came to me at the perfect time and I've been binge listening ever since. I've been feverishly taking notes on your amazing usable content. You go way beyond motivation and give actual advice and methods for making your business thrive. I'm so grateful to have this podcast as I embark on my own entrepreneurial journey. This message could not be more fitting for today's show. I'm so excited to give you usable content and ways that you can truly grow as a human being. And let's start off. I mean, if you are sitting in your car, I don't even want a slow clap. I want a round of applause for Britt Barron, because this show is about to stop you in your tracks. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. We all know that I'm a huge advocate for lifelong learning, and that's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and so much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you at the forefront of your field. I got a chance to dig around on the Skillshare site, and I was amazed at all the choices, from classes in social media, marketing, graphic design, web development, you name it, they've got it. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Gold Digger listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash gold digger. You guys, I am so, so honored to hang out with Brit. Britt, I can honestly say watching your video, which we're going to take in the show notes, changed my life and just really seeing your heart. I knew that like you had to come on the show. So first things first, just
1: thank you for showing up today and for being here with me. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so excited to chat and have this conversation and so pumped, so grateful for your kind words and, and I can't wait. Let's do this. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, yes, awesome. so ready. So first things
0: first, for those who don't know you, what is the life of Brit? Like, who are you? How is your path unfolded? What has this journey looked like? Because I know that it's held a lot of twists and turns. Right. Yeah, it
1: certainly has. Yeah, so I am a speaker, a writer. I do diversity and inclusion work. I'm married to my wonderful wife, Sammy, who does all things creative. And so we are at such a fun place in life right now. And it is, it has been quite a journey to get here. Rewinding a little bit back, I grew up in Colorado, which is a place not known for its diversity and my my mom's mexican my dad's african american and that's always been very important to me it's always been very important to know who i am where i came from and my race has shaped a lot of my experiences in life and i knew that from a young age cuz i grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods and i knew that there was something different and there was a gap between me and some of my other friends and i spent a lot of time trying to figure out why that gap was there and how to bridge it and Uh, along with those contexts, we grew up very Christian in the evangelical church. And so as I got older, it made sense to combine those and take my love for inclusion and kind of building bridges and do that within uh, the church. And so before long through life's weird twists and turns, I always said the one thing I would never do in life is be a pastor because (laughs) my dad was a pastor. And then of course, here I am at like 26 or 27. And I'm a pastor at this like evangelical mega church, who was very devoted to sort of this multicultural idea, you know, churches are still some of the places where we see the biggest separation between race and ethnicity and gender, quite honestly. And so it was great. And then I met this girl. And I sort of realized another layer of my identity that I hadn't previously been in touch with, and we fell in love. And that was a time where I was really confronted with fear in a way I hadn't ever been before. And in a way, it taught me so much about kind of what a lot of the people in the conversations that I've had about race and inclusion. And, and sometimes there's this this hesitation, right? This This fear. And and I realized, oh, it's really scary to think that life was one way, and to maybe realize that it might be another way. And that fear kept me, you know, quiet for a while and and there's this there's this idea that I always like talk about there's there's this idea that like fear is a like a liar, you know, like a lot of people say that. and that's true. like some fears are just trash that we make up in our minds. and some fears are things that are like might actually happen. Like my biggest fear for coming out was that people were going to see me differently, treat me differently, that I would have to leave my church, and that people would look at my family differently, that you know, my life might be just a little more difficult in some ways. And all of those things are honestly true. And so there's a moment where you have to decide, it's it's not necessarily like those things won't happen, but am I going to let that stop me from living in my freedom, in my truth, in love? And over the course of my life, uh, one of the best things I think I've gotten to, to create and to do is this thing called the Civil Rights Tour, where I put people in a van and we go to the South and we spend a week visiting sites from the Civil Rights Movement, interviewing civil rights leaders, debriefing at night, talking about what this means for us, and truly like living in that experience. And so John Lewis, who's one of my favorite civil rights leaders ever, he is a congressman now. He's actually the the last living speaker from the March on Washington. Um, And he led the the march from Selma to Montgomery. And that march took three times to complete. The first time it ended up in this uh, really awful battle between him and the police. Uh, That day is known as like Bloody Sunday. And then the second time they brought in Martin Luther King Jr., And they started marching and then MLK said, it just doesn't feel right. I think this is a trap. And it was. And they turned around. And then the third time they were able to complete the march. And so I have a poster of the third time when they completed the march from Selma Montgomery with him and MLK. And I got to meet him. We interviewed him on on one of the tours and he signed that poster for me. So it's obviously like my most cherished possession. And I remember one day sitting in my apartment and I'm staring at it and i'm like in the closet like so afraid to like you <laughs> to come out like and i'm just stare and i I've stared at it for hours and i was like what what did he have that allowed him to say like i'm sure his fears were valid he was afraid that if he went out and marched for these voter rights and like believed in the fact that black people were created equal that he might get hurt right that it might go wrong and it Did And he kept doing it. And so I just, you know, there was a moment where it's like, do you want to choose freedom? Or do you want to choose fear? You know, this is your choice. Uh, Both ways are going to be hard. So which kind of hard do you want? Right? So like living a life in the closet was super chill, you know? So yeah, that was the moment where a lot of things just clicked for me. And I decided, whenever I am given the choice, between freedom and love or fear, I think I'm going to choose freedom. And it doesn't matter how hard it gets. That's just something I have to do. And so I did. And so many things have unfolded and transpired (laughs) since then. And my work in inclusion means so much more. It's so layered. It's so nuanced. And I always say that, like, my why, the reason I do this and love this is because people matter. And we live in a world and a society and a culture where some people feel like they matter less. And I want to change that. And I think that yes, there are nuances with race and gender and sexuality and faith and ability and all these things. And we should educate ourselves on those. But at the end of the day, I think most human beings can relate to the idea that at some point they felt like there's something about them that discounts them. And if we can understand that about ourselves, then we can start to understand that about someone else. And that's the work that that I'm interested in doing.
0: Oh, that is amazing. So Britt, you came to me through the amazing Emily Sexton, who is in episode 168. And oh, my gosh, is she not just a total game changer? She is unreal. Unreal. So how did you guys get connected? And what is your work look like when you guys work together?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So actually funny story about our connection. So she wanted some like creative direction help, which is what Sammy does. And then she also wanted some like diversity and inclusion help, which is what I do. And so she had reached out to her networks and got connected to us separately and had no idea that we were married. Got so then it. she sends us this email one night and she like laughs because she's like, I wasn't drunk, I promise. And it was just like <laughs> the longest email for explaining how she got there, which was so funny. But we know her because of the work that Sammy and I do together. So Sammy is my amazing wife and Sammy has been she does all things creative and she's been a creative director for like, all these companies. And I've been doing inclusion work and kind of one day we were like, well, the two should inform each other right if we're going to have this more inclusive and this bigger view of the world and ask these questions and and talk about who's not at the table and create these spaces that should be reflected in in marketing in creative in in what you actually put out there and so we created something called other dreamers and it's we're basically culture consultants where we come in and we'll talk you through all things inclusion all things creative and develop those things together and it's Emily is one of the amazing entrepreneurs that we have the privilege of working with and asking some of these questions and developing some of those things for her brand
0: that's so cool how is it like working with your spouse because I know sometimes it's (laughs) very wonderful but sometimes it's so hard so what is that like for you two to work together it's so funny
1: it's so <laughs> yes, exactly. It's so fun. Like, I I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And then you have these moments where you're like, we're so different that like, you know, like, this is a perfect example. She'll be creating something like in real time. And she'll just like be in the zone. So just like be creating it. And I'm like, Oh, there's a comma there like okay (laughs) she's like not the time (laughs) like okay okay sorry sorry so but it's just it's been so fun and I think we we are learning so much as we go and I think the the posture you need to have to work with your person is high empathy high care high compassion right and I think that's very helpful to have that as we work together because then we're able to sort of already be in that mode when we're when we're talking to our clients, right? Yes. When you're married to someone, the question isn't are you right or am I right? It's what's the best way to resolve this, right? And so, yeah, I think it's it's fun. I'm realizing it's priming me in a different way for the work I do because even in creating it, my posture needs to be different than like I'm going to do this awesome thing and I'm awesome. It's like am I being a a good partner? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. I have a
0: personal question for you and we can totally skip it if you want but what was it like when you came out to your parents because I feel like especially being raised in the church and you know the prominence that your family had at that stage
1: and you know that fear that you had what was that experience like for you so I'm very close with my parents they're two of my best friends and so I told them I mean like legitimately years before I told anyone else, like two years <laughs> before the words came out. like And I was hanging out with Sammy and I was like, I have to tell my parents this weight is too heavy. And so I went over to the house and I was so scared because yeah, like I said, my parents, I mean, they, they're they deeply rooted in the church. My dad w- was on the board of the church I worked at. My mom you know, was like one of the mentors and did all the things. I mean, this is their life. And so it was incredibly scary. And, uh, so many things I think might've gone different for me if this moment hadn't gone this way, but I told them and they just said, we love you. And, you know, we're going to figure this out. I think it was a little shocking because at that point I was 28, you know? So I think there was an idea. It's like, well, if that was going to happen, it was going to happen before that. Right. And I had dated guys and I had so I think there was a little bit of, of shock and surprise. And they just said, we love you and nothing can change that. We've always told you that, which they have. And it was beautiful. And my mom is, I always like laugh about this moment. My mom is a stereotypical Mexican woman <laughs> because after she said she loved me, the very next words out of her mouth were just promise me you'll adopt or something. As if like <laughs> grandkids is only the, ever the only thing she's thinking about. She was like, okay, love who you love, but how will I get these grandbabies? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like a true mom, Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm like, okay. Yeah, so it was good. And, you know, we had the hard conversations after that, and we processed together, and and what does this mean? And and it's been really good. I I mean, my parents – and this is – gosh, this is why I love this kind of work and this kind of stuff, because my parents to this day will say – that's one of the best things that ever happened to them because they had just gotten so comfortable in their world and in their faith and this, you know, definitely shook it up. Their support for me has really, has cost them. But just the other day, my mom was like, gosh, I didn't even realize what I was missing because I didn't Mm -hmm. even know what it was. And so, yeah, it was a journey like everything else. But I think that's, if we look back in our life, those difficult conversations and moments are the ones that we cherish, right? Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, Not as much in the moment, but for sure, you know, (laughs) after, right? Yeah. So, I mean,
0: speaking of like awkward conversations, I think every person in their life has had them, maybe not to the levels of others, but what do you think it is about awkward conversations that create change? Because truthfully, the conversation that led me to meeting you was an awkward conversation about inclusion. And I think that There's a really great movement happening when it comes to inclusion, but it's mostly just focused on race. And I think that there can be more inclusion in gender, socioeconomic status, faith, religion, love. What do you think it is about awkward conversations that
1: actually produce and yield bigger results? Well, I think no one changes when they're comfortable, right? No one's like, I'm just feeling so good I'm going to start eating healthy, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh gosh, I feel like crap. I need a salad. Right. Like there's just there, you know, if we're, if we know everything, if we feel comfortable, we're not, there's, there's no change, right. Nothing's going to change. And that's the bummer and the exciting thing about life. And so I think the conversations get awkward because it challenges our ideas, right? It challenges our whole ideas about life. And that is very uncomfortable. So for someone to say, like, I see the world this way, it is different than the way you see the world. Well, now what does that mean about your life up until that point, right? It's very disorienting. And I think, particularly with conversations about inclusion, it can get more disorienting because what does that mean? Like, to make it so real, I think, when it comes to inclusion in terms of sexuality and I've had this conversation with people, I think that if you ascribe or have ascribed to a theology or an idea that gay people should not be included, and then you encounter something and feel like they should, well, what does that mean for the way in which you treated people before that point? And I think sometimes that is so hard to reconcile that it keeps people from even engaging that there might be a different way. And so the conversations get awkward because I think you know, we naturally get defensive, especially the, the longer we live and the more comfortable we get with our ideas of, hey, this is how things go. Someone challenges that and it's like, well, this would change everything for me. So I'm going to I'm going to push back. Right. I'm going to resist because, yes, if you let go and you have these hard conversations and, and you're willing to accept this, everyone gets better. Everything gets better. The world moves forward. But that's incredibly difficult. And I think that change, that fear is hard. And James Baldwin has this incredible quote, and he says, I imagine the reason people cling so tightly to hate is because they fear once the hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain. And those are strong words. And, and I think there's not as much hate, but there's certainly, I think, a resistance to even get into a conversation because it might force you to to deal with some hard realities of the world. Like, I love inclusion, and I love people having being at the table, because at the end of the day, we are better together than we are separate. Governments that have more women represented in them have higher rates of peace long-term. Companies that have more people of color uh, leadership levels do better because they reach more markets. Like, yes, we are better together. But first, we have to deal with the reality of why those people weren't at the table to begin with, and that's kind of hard. That is probably one of the most powerful statements you've ever
0: said. What, when you, I love the analogy of like just having these people at the table for people that maybe haven't in the past or are kind of like, well, how do I even open this up? Do you have any tips or advice on just making people feel welcome, making people feel seen and heard and letting them know that it's safe
1: for them to show up as well? Yeah, I think, one of the first things I always say is like come into a conversation and be proud of who you are. Have that sense of like, okay, this is who I am and, and I'm proud of that. I think the the second thing on a practical level is three words that I always think change the game in a conversation are help me understand. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood and, and a lot of things will be different. So in a conversation with people who disagree with me, think something very antithetical to what I think. If I say like, well, how, how could you even, you know what I mean? Like, and help me understand, but like, you know, not with the tone of like, well, help me understand, but a true help me understand how you arrived there or help me understand what it's like to be you or help me understand how, why you feel like the words I'm saying are hurtful. Help me understand, because I think the, and I and I laugh even early on, right, in this work for me, I was seeking to be understood. I wanted people to understand the way I saw the world, the way I experienced it, and I just wanted them to know that. And that came from a, a place of feeling like an other. But growing and changing, I realized, well, if we seek to understand, we will be understood, right? And so those three words help me understand. They're disarming, right? We have there's a lot of of ways and you know I have some friends who have children with special needs and I have learned so much and I have asked a thousand help me understand questions because I I you don't know what you don't know and there is literally no way around that and no one is born woke and anyone who pretends like they were <laughs> is lying at some point someone told us hey that's not cool and I was like oh okay And you evolve. And so I think there's so much compassion and so much understanding needed. And that question, for me, really changes the game.
0: We all know I'm a huge advocate for lifelong learning, and that's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare, Skillshare—it's an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and so much more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you at the forefront of your field. Whatever I'm looking to learn, Skillshare ensures that I am learning and growing. Join the millions of students. Already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for you, my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering Gold Digger listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. I think that's incredible. One thing that you said at the beginning that it just, I think so many of us can relate to is that you've always felt like unqualified or other, or, or that something about you has made you not fit the mold that you're supposed to be in. And when I watched your video and I like bawled my eyes out and said, if I ever have a daughter, I want her to be like Brit. Um, like, Well, how have you stepped into these roles that for one, you said you would never step into, but two, you likely did not feel like you were the one to do that work. How have you kind of done that? Because I feel like you've done that over and over and over again in your life.
1: Yeah, I think twofold, right? I did it for me and I did it for someone like me who's not here yet, (laughs) You know, I was just – we were at Target the other day, uh, me and Sammy, and it's it's little things like this, right, being a woman of color that that stand out to you. So we're in Target, and Target has a section, you know, where they shampoo and conditioner, and it just says hair care, hair care, hair care, hair care. Like all the – you know, it just says that. And then there's like a little section that says like multicultural hair. And I was like, gosh, if – like I want the next like little like – half Mexican, half black, strong little girl to be in Target and just, it's all hair care because it's all hair, right? But these are like the little things that say like, hey, by the way, like, you're different. And so I think there's a certain fire in me that's, that burns for the next me because I'm very aware of how many people before me fought for me how many women, how many people of color, how many people in the LGBTQ community, how many, I mean, the list goes on and I won't know their names. I don't know what they did. And I want to, I want to be that for someone. I think the second reason is so for uh, future generations. And then for me now, I think there are times when it like is uncomfortable to like advocate for yourself. And there are times when it gets tiring to like constantly like push against the narrative that, you don't belong somewhere or in a space or that you have value, but it's so worth it for the person that it creates in you. And I had this moment, right? We were on a a different civil rights tour and a moment that really shaped, honestly, the trajectory of, 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 my life. And we're in this museum and this woman is giving us a tour of this museum and there's a section, it was brand new. We're in Mississippi. And it was a mock-up of a slave ship. And this part of the museum was like, it, it was meant to take you on the journey of like from Africa to like the auction block on in the South. Like, so what was someone's journey in getting there? And so you walk through this giant, like dark, like muggy thing. And I couldn't, I actually couldn't even walk through it. So like I left and met everyone like around. That was like the ship. And then she gets to the end and she's explaining what would be happening now. And she's like standing on this mock-up of this sort of slave auction. And she's talking about how many people would have died until this point, just from disease, how many people would have like, just, I mean, jumped off, how many people would have not made it, how many people would have, and then what happens and how humiliating and how now you're standing here and you're naked and you're being appraised. And these people are, are bidding for you. And she said, can you imagine? And then I was already certain that the next words out of her mouth were going to be like, can you imagine like how humiliating can you imagine the anger? Can you imagine the fear? Right. And she was a, she was a black woman giving the tour and she said, can you imagine the strength that it took to even get this far? That's the blood that runs in my veins. And that's why I'm a proud black woman. And everything changed for me in that moment of yes as a person with brown skin sometimes I move throughout the world and I want to be angry and I want to be all these things but then I feel proud because I'm doing it and as like a woman with like a body that has like Thick parts on it. Um, I want to look at like all these magazine articles and I want to look at all the ways that people are telling me that like my beautiful is different or like less than and I want to be like humiliated and I want to be sad but then I feel proud because I'm doing it and I believe in it and as a gay person who's still a Christian and loves God and takes her faith seriously I want to be mad and I want to feel all these things but then I feel proud because I'm doing it. And I think that's, to the other question, being proud of who you are changes the game. Because now I look at things riding against me, things riding against other people. And if we look at that and say, like, gosh, what can we do? You know, or or we look at that and say, like, I made it through that. <laughs> you know what I mean? What does that say about me? And if I made it through that, and what does that say about me? Then what does that say about my neighbor? What does that say about the potential in every single person I encounter. What does that say about my um, willingness or even ability to progress and change and grow? It says everything. And once we start seeing ourselves like that, it only spreads. You change the way you see yourself, you change the way you see, you know, anyone else. I just want to like, I mean, this is, this is just so
0: powerful. And and one thing I want to share just from kind of where we're at is, you know, when we look at inclusion, I think that so often, like you said, it comes from a place of being defensive. You know, I was raised mm-hmm. in small town Minnesota. There was no diversity where we grew up. You know, I went to a predominantly white college and and it, it's all of these reasons of of what we've learned and I can honestly say this year I have been schooled I have been humbled I have been put in my place in a beautiful way in in a way that challenges and and it is uncomfortable it is probably the most uncomfortable journey I've been on but you have to keep digging and one thing I want to um say and and just kind of ask you too, Britt, is one thing that I struggle with is, you know, we've had some really incredible diverse guests on this show, and we want to have so many more. But a lot of times then the conversation turns to inclusivity. And it's like, you know, this is not why you're on the show. This is your expertise. Yes, you, Britt Barron, your expertise is in this. But how can we open the dialogue beyond just people that are different than us to have conversations about how we're doing better than what we've done in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like around inclusion or around just everything. Like how are we showing more diversity? How are we inviting that? How are we allowing ourselves to be quiet? How are we not putting people of color or different in the driver's seat and saying, you're responsible for my growth in this area. Does that make sense? Yes.
1: Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think you're absolutely right. And I think what you were saying about having like people of color on the show, and, and it ends up kind of being a conversation about that. I think we are sort of reaching a point where we're realizing that diversity is an advantage and an advantage that, everybody wins from. So, like, my favorite... I mean, I am so obsessed with Black Panther. Like, it's unreal. I saw it (laughs) a trillion times in the theater. I got... Okay, I got to go to the premiere, like, the L.A. world premiere, and I could have just, I mean, curled up in a ball, and that could have been the end. (laughs) But here's the thing that I love about Black Panther. It's just a Marvel movie, but the superhero is black. It's not a movie about slavery it's not a a movie about the first black something it's not a movie about race it's a superhero marvel movie and the superhero is black and i think that was so refreshing to me because that does show the progress that we're making in terms of like yes black people can be in a movie and it doesn't have to be about being black yes and that's awesome I think the same thing. And not only is it awesome, like, it was wildly successful. Like, it became one of the top grossing movies of all time. And kind of around the same time, we saw, like, Fenty Beauty. And Fenty Beauty, like, Rihanna's, like, makeup line, was sold out for months everywhere. And it wasn't just a beauty line for people of color. It was just makeup that went in all shades. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, like... We're getting to the place where we're just realizing, oh, people should just be included because they're good. Yes. I'm not buying this makeup because because it's good makeup, right? I'm going to see Black Panther because I'm a Marvel fan and I want to know like plot lines for the Avengers mm-hmm. or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, and I'm not going to get too Marvel nerdy because Sammy <laughs> always makes fun of me. I'm like, I am a huge Marvel nerd. So I'm like, yes, you know? And I think that in moving, in that, direction, we are taking some of that pressure off because I think there are some people who, who love this. I love talking about inclusion. And so I'm all for it. That doesn't mean that every person of color does, but we haven't had a lot of examples of that because people of color that we see in movies are talking about it. People of color that we see, like, this is the representation, it's the expectation. Well, now the expectation is shifting into like, find someone who wants to talk about inclusion and talk to them about it. But maybe yeah. someone is just in a Marvel movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's I love that. I hope we just keep moving even faster in that direction.
0: I agree. And I mean, for me too, you know, it's been it's just I know I've made so many mistakes. I know I've said the wrong thing. I know that, you know, all of us have. I think every single person has, but it's how we're moving forward. And and one thing for me too is even looking at different brands that want to partner with me, if I don't see diversity in their business. I'm not going to partner with them, whether it's diversity in size, color, whatever that looks like. Like if I truly want to help represent all women, then I should only be partnering with companies that are doing the same. And I think that, you know, there's just so much room for us to grow, but it takes a lot of stepping in to those challenging conversations that you are incredible at leading. What has it been like for Sammy in her journey? And what are some of the main differences you see between the two of you?
1: Yeah, well, so Sammy's white, which if you can't see her right now, which you can't because it's a podcast, (laughs) you wouldn't know that. So Sammy's white and she's, I always laugh, she's like super white. She like burns 10 (laughs) seconds in the sun. And she grew up in Orange County, (laughs) also not known for its diversity. And so it's been amazing. And I've watched her with regard to the race conversation. It has been incredible to watch someone fight so hard to... Learn and to know and to care for and to stay up on. And I mean, I've watched her get into like Facebook arguments with like her (laughs) old neighbor, and you know, like because those are always so productive. And so, but just seeing that, like this, you know, 10 years ago, she wouldn't have known about this. I, you know, she cried. We both cried the first time we saw Black Panther, just because you're kind of watching a place that has been untouched by slavery that has been untouched by this, like, and it's just black people and they're just like living and thriving. And she cried. And I asked her like, do you think you would have cried just like that, you know, six, seven years ago? She was like, absolutely not. Right. So her proximity to like me has has changed that. And it's been humbling for me to receive that. Cause I think sometimes it's easier to be in the I'll advocate for you position than the someone is advocating for me position. And so it's been amazing. And and we've had, I think, both of us coming out like a little bit later in our lives. I always joke because I'm like, I knew I was black first, right? <laughs> and we we were in premarital and we were talking about premarital counseling, and we were talking about kids. And our therapist said like, well, you know, like your kids would have some unique challenges, having two moms and blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I watched Sammy's face, like, and she's like really wrestling with this idea. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, I've always known that about my kids. Mm-hmm. If my kids, my kids are going to be black, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like, I've always known, like, there's going to be a unique set of challenges in the world that that comes with them. And so watching her for the first time, realize that that might be reality for her kids was really interesting. And so we, we've had so many great conversations and I kind of love that we get to do some of this together in the way it's expanding, right? Cause it is, it's, it's race, it's gender, it's sexuality, it's size. It's how do we help people understand that they matter, you know, and to be proud of who they are and to let other people in and to create more room at their freaking tables and to say like, It's 2018. I'm certain you can find more models than this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like uh, there's 50 million. Yes. There's a million models on Instagram that I, you know, follow. So I think it's been, it's been fun watching and even watching her as a creative, as a designer, watching that change, right? Who will she call for shoots? She wants to, she's like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to use like, female videographers because there's not a lot of opportunity for female videographers. So if I have an opportunity to bring a second shooter, I'm going to look for you know what I mean like there's just seeing that like light up in both of us and like okay, if we're going to be about this, let's be about this. So it's been really fun to do that together and and to learn more about each other and and just grow.
0: Thank you for sharing all that. I just think it's so incredible like just seeing your dynamic and the way that you guys love each other. It's really 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 inspiring. So My big question is like, what is your ultimate dream for your work? I know we've talked about what you do and kind of the vision, but what is the big dream on your heart right now?
1: I think the big dream is to literally change the game in the way that people see race, gender, sexuality, and themselves. To change the game in the way brands market and advertise to literally start to redefine what that whole field looks like. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's what that looks like. You know, I think other dreamers is, it has no limits, right? Sammy and I are both big dreamers. That's why we call our company Other Dreamers. But I think it has no limits. I, I would love to just create a movement where we have talks about, you know, our, our sort of one of the taglines for other dreamers is like where creativity meets people to see those two worlds combine in a meaningful way because what we know is very important but what we see really changes a lot of stuff so want more people to see themselves to see cool branding to know that you don't just have to do it like someone else did it right to yeah so i mean in short our big dream is to to truly change the game in creativity and in people well,
0: you're going to do it. Let me just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking in my mirror ball and I've seen yes. the reason Perfect. So let's say a listener out there has been struggling, feeling seen or heard or represented. What is the single best piece of advice that you want to leave them with today?
1: I think that the single piece of advice I have is two things. <laughs> but first, be proud of who you are. Um That is something that no one can take away. And to quote Her Majesty the Queen (laughs) Beyoncé, you know, nothing real can be threatened. Mm -hmm. And I think to develop a a real and true sense of pride about who you are, no one can take that away. And the second, even though you ask for one, is do it anyway. I think there's not going to be a moment where you're not scared. There's not going to be a moment where it's not uncomfortable. There's not going to be a conversation about race that doesn't get a little awkward. (laughs) Do it anyway. Right. Some, sometimes things happen and do it anyway. Thank you. I just cannot thank you enough for the work that you're doing
0: and for making it such a beautiful, a beautiful challenge, I think in so many of our lives. And so where can everyone connect with you? Because I'm sure after this, they are ready to be signed up to dream alongside of you.
1: Yes. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Brit Baron, uh, one T, <laughs> and uh, Brittbaron.com. And I mean, those are two great places. Amazing. And we're going to link to your video in the show notes for this episode,
0: because no matter where you are from, what you believe in, I just think this is such a beautiful, powerful video that really just shares your story and I, I kind of wish every love story had a video like that because <laughs> what an amazing way to just document like here's what's really going on and here's what I said I would never do and here's what I'm really doing and oh uh, it just I stopped. know right
1: <laughs> and we're so like pathetically <laughs> in love too like, it's, like actually though it's, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> like literally like sometimes I like annoy myself <laughs> but I can't stop it was so funny we have to <laughs> give
0: a shout out to Sammy on this one because we told her to be quiet in the other room, and then we're like, Sammy, we need you. Come help. Us. Yeah. So, help the microphone. Yes. Uh, so thank you to all the spouses out there that keep us all yes. going and aligned. Well, Britt, Praise. thank you for just showing up. I cannot wait. I really hope that we get to work together more because you are just a woman that is changing the world, and it's such an honor to know you. So there you guys have it. Isn't Brit like incredible? I feel like she just has so much to say so much to offer and I could sit and listen to her for hours. Since finding her and Sammy, I have just been really inspired to really challenge the way that I think about certain things and to really look at what love can look like, what inclusion truly looks like, and how we can practice that and expand in our own lives. I hope that this episode challenges you to lean into some of those harder conversations, to do the work yourself, and to really embrace what inclusivity can bring, not just to a business, but to your life, because it has only enriched my. And I want for you to know that if you're not seeing yourself represented, if you're feeling like you're constantly checking that other box, maybe it is you that is the representation. Maybe it's you that needs to step into that role. You are made for bigger things. And I'm so glad that Britt Barron started to embrace those bigger things that she was called to because today's episode was truly a game changer. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals.